November 13, 2020 is the Watt for Pedro show.
Gonna walk a thousand miles. Gonna get back home to you. Gonna read that book I loaned you years ago. Mystery could soon. When it's time to head out again, it's gonna be a ghost at my side. We're gonna climb up onto your pony, baby. Ride, ride, ride. And then I'll burn, burn my souvenirs and kiss you goodbye. Gonna be a mirror on the highway, broken into jagged shards. I'm gonna use those eyes, the window holes for my bright new house of cards. But I won't be staying there long. Gonna keep moving toward the moon. If I haven't passed you yet. Should be passing you soon, and then I'll burn, burn my souvenirs, and kiss you goodbye. Burn, burn my 
show happy friday a little later than usual usually it's 11 bells for a while but there's a 16 hour time difference i believe uh, because they don't do daylight savings time so sometimes that's 17, right some, ah you can tell people even though it's quentin quarantino mode brother matt is a couple miles south the pleasure point in the love grotto i am not totally man alone because of those software geniuses in Estonia with their Skype invention. <laughs> I got Brother Sam Bennett all the way from Tokyo, 16 right. hours ahead of me. <laughs> we started the show off uh, with John Coltrane and Miles Davis, and we was playing with them mm. in your own sweet way. And then something from the brand new Bennett, Corota album, Burn My Souvenirs, the kickoff track. In the old days of um, vinyl, it was really important, huh? Because that's where the needle usually, I guess until you heard it the first time, then maybe you put it in another place. But usually that's... That's right. And you would put the shitty song or the <laughs> shittier hugging the label, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the Lee songs on a Sonic out. Although I liked them, but it seemed this Lee song was always. I know what the George Harrison songs were. But when we were doing double nickels on the dime, Ethan mixed that one night, 45, well, 48 if you count the yeah. card yeah. sounds. So we didn't know how to put it in order. So I thought of this idea. And I thought if each dude had a side, and then the fourth mm -hmm. side get the shit no one picked. That's why it's called Chafe. Right. Uh, uh, you know, they would pick their favorites and they would be closer to the outside. And then, yeah. Sure, sure. You know, like where, when you're Where the needle went, drops uh, first. Well, it's kind of also the humiliation phase of growing up when they're picking teams <laughs> on the street. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Navy housing, so there was always enough for full teams. and But that didn't help that situation. That no. kind of amplified it. So, I, I, so please, I, I ain't seen you now for. Oh my God! What? Well, moves. how many years? I man? think eleven, eleven, eleven. God, was the last time. That's we, crazy. We man. did a gig. Uh, we Jamie Cano. Yeah, 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 at, yeah. Over in, uh, I think it was over in at Shibuya. a place in Shinjuku, wasn't it? I thought it was O West or something like that. Oh, was it? Okay. Well, I Maybe know we not. did one. one of them was one of them was I think the first one was at Mars. Right. Shinjuku. Mars. Yeah. You know, yeah, all yeah. those things were righteous. They were always around my B day in December. Right. I got to bring Nels Klein one time, his first time. That's right. But the Sweet. first time I got to play with you was in two thousand eight. But we'll get to that. Well, I, yeah, I want to focus on you and your journey through music. Can you give me your earliest musical recollection? 
Oh man, let's see. Mike, uh, my, I guess my earliest music recollection would be back in Birmingham, Alabama, my hometown. You know, that makes and sense. Uh, and uh, you know, seriously speaking, earliest is like childhood stuff, yeah. where you're banging on the pots and pans in in the kitchen. You know, that's what I started out doing. Uh, I had to bang on pots and pans for several years before my dad finally broke down and bought me a drum set. You know. Elvin talks about that in his different drummer doc. Is that right? Well, his sister helped him with the paper route money to buy it, but he started on pots and pans. His yeah, pop was a yeah. Feature, you know, Pontiac. Yeah, you you grab what's there and and make make well, do. Well, he had Thad Jones and Hank Jones. He had two brothers, uh, musician. Were you married right, right. with the musician? Mm, yeah. Okay. Was was there instruments in the pad besides the pot? The oh no! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Who was it? Wait! I didn't catch that. Was who a musician? But he had brothers. Oh, you're talking about Thad Jones and Hank and Jones. Hank Jones. And yeah. So he was growing up in a house with, and I think they were older brothers, right? Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. that that's why I'm saying was it similar sitch because the pots and pans mm, were. Similar. Yeah, not not really, man. My my two older sisters were. Uh, a little bit later, when I got a little bit older, they were uh, getting into uh, playing, you know, folky guitar stuff. Like uh, they were all into Bob Dylan and Joan Baez and Pete Seeger and that whole folk. But there was a guitar boom. in the pad. That they, was a they there was a guitar room. in the pad. Okay. But I never gravitated to string instruments uh, until many many years later. Um, I was always just. A lot of you on the new album on this. Uh, well, we'll get to it later, but a three-string yeah, yeah. guitar. Yeah, three-string guitar is what I is what I started it's playing not, about. It's, a, it's not a, a shamisen, right? It's it's no, your own no, no, yeah. Not a shamisen. It has it has frets just like a guitar, so that's why I call it a three-string guitar. Yeah, um, they they tune weird, right? Uh, two of the strings have the same tuning, I think. Well, no, actually, no. actually, Mike, I do. Well, I use lots of different tunings. That's okay. the. That's the thing. But uh, let, let, lots let's, of different let's open Let's stay scenes. in the old days for a little bit. So oh yeah, okay. The first yeah, record, well, so, the first you know, record, uh, the first record you bought with your own money. Ah, first record I bought. I remember the first record I stole because uh, we were pretty. That's the pretty other balls. question. That's another question. We were. I don't know, man. I was running with a little bit of a rough. No, I asked we that were, because you don't have a lot of money when you're a kid. So if you're no, going to buy exactly. a record, it must be something that you're really into, right? Right, exactly. Tell you the truth, um, honestly speaking, I wish I could say I remember with great certainty what was the first record I bought, but I honestly don't. I guess I was more excited about the first record I stole, and that <laughs> record uh, was Blows Against the Empire by the Jefferson Starship. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> That's not one of the greatest, but... Oh yeah, it's a pretty pretty funny record, man. You know, I mean, I haven't it's, really it's listened intense. to it in years. Yeah, People, yeah. the the band that they evolved from was a pretty. It was up in the city called the Airplane. Oh, of course, and yeah. Jack Jefferson Cassidy, Airplane. what a basement! Yeah, and he still yeah, plays yeah. with the guitar man, Yorma. Yeah, Kakonan, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah those those guys still do a duo, right? Still do a duo, right? Right on his at his pad, right? Uh, some kind of festival. So, oh, cool. In school. Mm. Were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? No, man, nothing like that. You know, I went to public schools in yeah. Birmingham, Alabama, and the music programs were just, I mean, they practically 
didn't have anything going except the marching band. Yeah, for and, the games, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just redneck territory all the way, man. There was just no, you know, and and to be in the marching, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't have minded playing snare drum or something in the marching band, but it if you were in the marching band, it meant you had to spend your weekends at football games you know yeah. and marching around i was like I'm, I'm at school five days a week last thing i would do is come back yeah. here yeah. on on saturday and sunday and march around uh yeah. for football i hated football for one thing big wool uniform you know. yeah. yeah so yeah, like yeah. i was you know i gotta, I was I gotta completely... remind the listeners though that for all the red in the neck yeah <laughs> mr sunny blocks from permanent Oh, of course, Sonny Blunt, uh, Sun Ra, of course. I mean, you know, there's there's great people yeah, in yeah, Birmingham, yeah. man. Uh, um, I had this cat on the, the show, over, the Reverend. The overall, overall Did you know about culture. the Reverend Fred Lane? He didn't oh, play yeah, music Fred for many Lane. years. That guy's, he's a total mad genius. Man. I had him on the show. He, yeah, beautiful, Oh, beautiful. Man. I got to check that episode out, yeah. Okay, <laughs> okay so let's, let's go on with you. So when do you get yeah. your first drum set? Well, I got my first drum set. Like I said, my dad finally broke down and 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 got me a drum kit when I was uh, thirteen. Took took him a little while, um, and it was a pretty good kit. It was a it was a Leedy. I think Leedy doesn't exist anymore, but they were essentially part of Slingerland or absorbed by Slingerland or something. It was one of the old drum companies, and uh, I got a set of Leedy drums with a satin swirl red satin swirl uh finish you know and damn i was proud of those things you know where did you play? and my yeah my deal with my dad was that uh basically my dad raised me alone because my mom died when i was really young and so my deal with my dad was i could play the drums when i got home from school up until the minute he got back from work which was in the evening and at that point it had to stop so my modus operandi for years was to get off of school, run home, play the drums for two, three, four hours maybe until my dad came home. And then, boom, that was it. No more drumming for the rest of the night. You know? yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I, I was going to ask you. It's like, where? Was it in your room or was it yeah. a bedroom or basement? Or? No, no, okay. no. We didn't have a basement. I just kept my drums in my room. <laughs> no, but you know, there's trippy things. Somebody was on the show where they, they were allowed to like prack in the living room. I think Rudy Van Gelder's first recording studio was his parents' living room. Well, that makes sense. That makes that's sense. That's pretty and balls he, he, out of the he, parents. <laughs> yeah, and he's stuck with a kind of like a one mic kind of a vibe or something for years, right? That's so right, cool. Right, right. And then he hid all his techniques. When yeah. he did get more involved. I want to play here uh, Draken from the new record. I've been drinking all day And the day before Now the sun is going down I believe I'll drink a little more I guess it's all just a question of how much a body can take But I tell you what, at this point I'm only drinking for my sanity's sake Yeah, yeah It seems like the world is caving in Up 
is down and down is up But if there's whiskey in the bottle I'm gonna pour it in my cup I guess it's all just a question of how brave a man can be I guess I ain't no hero Maybe I'm just feeling why Rome burns down Just call me It's called drinking We call it
misdeeds, oversharing your ego on the digital feed.
little hymns and fiddle tunes and the sound of angels cry. Papa David's down at the thrift shop, ain't nobody buying. Romans with their swords and torches used our house for kindling. Banjos on our knees like weapons, season will be trembling. Slave master sleeping in his big bed, don't you know? He's gonna hear our trumpets at the walls of Jericho.
Sisters to me, the sun will shine, the wine will flow, we'll pick the ripened fruit, and never again feel upon our neck the cruel and bloody boot. The die will be recast, the darkness will have passed, and we'll be free at last once the war is over. Gonna be good dreams for everyone. No more nightmares in your head. Where missiles blazed and bullets flew, there'll be sweet songbirds instead. All the fire and smoke and the fury will fade like a train rolling away. We'll lay down to sleep each night with the promise of a better day. Beast at bay, and keep that little candle of hope a burning. People, that's the only way. We're gonna follow a better path. Ain't gonna study. We'll stay clear of that evil door. We'll ignore the voices of violence. We will not take their bait. We will not be seduced by monsters preaching death and hate. The terror, the misery, and the evil will be rejected. There'll be no more shining monuments. To warriors erected, we'll shine the light of peace and see that righteous light reflected. 
Once the war is over For Pedro Show, yeah, drinking from the new Bennett Corona. Now, uh, confusion after that from uh, Skapel Big Band out of Poland, and also from Poland, from Gdansk, Trupa Trupa, they were on it last week. Mangle, Agnes Steck out of Austin with Wondering Aloud. <laughs> Thank you, Brother Chris. Uh, another tune from the new album, Taking Our Trumpets to Jericho, Bennett Corona. Just another crazy day on the farm from Dot Wigan. You know Dot Wigan, right? Dot Wigan, yeah, yeah, She's yeah. One of the sisters from the Shag. From the Shags, right? Yeah, Philosophy yeah. of the World album. Yeah. She yeah. made a solo record. Oh, yeah. I, I got to hear that solo record, sister. man. I, I haven't heard that. Well, you'll hear this right after you trumpet to Jericho. Right on. Chauffeur. I learned that in Proner for Pyros of helping out. Ah. Cats. They taught me about the chauffeur. Nice. A mumbling amens from Guided by Voices. Bob Pollard with another thousand tunes. He played here on New Year's, 100 song gig, uh, five boy. hours. Bottle <laughs> ah, ah, Home ah. out, DC peeling back, Bombs printing. They were on a couple episodes ago. Great cats. Thousands of wow. songs, but only have done five gigs in 40 years. Oh, man. Like they're bitching dudes, man. Ah, uh, pioneers, explorers. Wayland wow. song. And then Dose, they're going to reissue Kill Rockstar, the Justamente Trace album. And once mm. the war was over, Bennett Corona. Okay, so you got this drum set, Leedy, and you practice. That's right. Before, you know, you're towing the line what the fucking little boundaries are and shit. And That's you're, right. But, but you're not That's using right. a drum teacher. So what are you doing? Are you playing the records? Yeah. Yeah, I did a lot of playing the records, man. Now, are you using headphones or just? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's exactly what That's I would what do. That's what George Hurley guessed did. It. George Hurley was, he got uh, My Generation by The Who and Spectrum right. by Billy Cobham. And some headphones. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why the Minutemen sound the way they do. <laughs> ah, that's, okay. that's a But trip. you know, there's something about teaching yourself right now. But do you do the thing like after school, like where you're dying to get out of? play with some cats in a bedroom band, a basement band, a garage band. Yeah, yeah, we did that too. I knew some guys who were uh Tell me know, about playing. that experience. Well, uh, you know, just some guys that I knew were playing, uh, you know, bass. One guy had a bass, another guy had a guitar, one guy liked to sing, and we, yeah, we did our little thing. Um, we didn't hardly know what we were doing. It was extremely uh, sort of put together with spit and duct tape, you know, and Basically, we did a lot of sort of generic kind of yeah blues and and uh, sort of boog, southern boogie rock and uh, and a certain amount of country flavored stuff. And we, you know, we didn't learn all that many uh, tunes. Oh, you didn't nobody... copy that much off records. Yeah, not too. We didn't copy too good. much off that's records because we did. Uh-huh. Well, that's it was like building models. <laughs> it was like building models. Kind of looks like the real thing, but it ain't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do this thing. We just called it country jam. And we okay. do a thing like, let's do a blues. And, was, you know, mostly yeah. it was fairly like that. And it's kind of lazy to tell you now, the truth. Did this band get a name? 
Uh, no, we weren't even. We were just some guys that just. Yeah, yeah, of course. Me and D Boone yeah. did this for. T I know. We I, didn't I, even have a name. We we did a we did a couple of you know. Uh, yeah, did you do gigs? Little, little gigs. And what a couple was the, what was the first gigs. one like? You know, my first gig was just at some kind of what was that? Damn, this is, this is crazy. What I mean, we're going so far back here. I don't even. Dang. Because you only do uh, it once. That's why kind of, I ask. You can of, only do it once, kind of, Brother Sam. Some kind of rec center or or uh, public uh, room that was part of some apartment complex, you know. I mean, there were all these apartment complexes springing up in, uh, in the 70s around Birmingham. And they usually had some kind of pool or something, you know, and some kind of rec room uh that the 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 apartment dwellers could could there was out. one there was a proj by the knit yeah it's kind of a proj you could call it a proj but not really there's mostly they were mostly just sort of like uh middle class lower mid lower to upper middle class depending on the development uh you know apartment complexes and they were springing up all over the place and my dad being a single guy we lived in a number of those too because uh he was kind of a restless fellow after my mom died and uh we were always kind of moving around from one year to the other even though we always stayed in birmingham so my childhood was kind of mixed up uh thing where you know i didn't have like a lot of uh long-term friends growing up because when you're that young you move away from a neighborhood you might as well be moving to another city really yeah yeah i know my pop was a sailor well yeah there you go but, but that gig at the rec room Oh, now with the story of my first gig, Your the very first, first gig? gig at the rec room. Yeah. Oh, it's in the rec room. Okay. The only thing I remember about that gig was uh, was that a girl that I was really kind of into um, came up on stage and uh, behind the drum set and gave me a kiss on the cheek. So that that was the wow. defining sort of like, oh, this is this is going to be good for 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 the for the for getting the girls. So that's pretty much the only thing I remember about that gig. Why? <laughs> okay. Okay. So you weren't scared, or it, uh, they didn't throw you know, cups of piss at you? Or no, no, no cups of they piss. They didn't like no cup, carry no cups you on their shoulders, but you did they, get the kiss. No, nah, they were probably pretty forgiving, and I did get a kiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because you can only have one of them, so that's why I ask about it. It's like buying that yeah. first record. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, what was the first band you saw play live? Oh, let's see, man. I think it was, uh, uh, geez, what was the first band? That's another good question, man. The first, well, I guess the first sort of biggish act I saw play live oh, might have been the Marshall Tucker Band. You ever heard of the Marshall yeah. Tucker Band? <laughs> it's so. one of those Southern, you know. <laughs> no, I know totally. In fact, the funny thing is about Corin Tucker from uh, Slater Kinney. Uh -huh. They named their son. Marshall, you know, oh, uh, that's Lester Bang, uh, Bang's cousin, uh, Lance Bang's, <laughs> married her, and they married. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> I got to chat with him last time I played uh, in Portland. But how did you well, get you, to, okay, back in, from that oh, gig, go. from that first gig and getting the kiss, how did you get to New York City? Oh, man, well, uh, I left Birmingham in 77 when I just, just, I was just about to turn 20. And so I didn't really stay in Birmingham very long at all. I had my own little pad for a year and a half or two and after high school. And then uh, I buzzed out of Birmingham, man. And I moved to Boston. 
uh, just because uh, at the time, somehow, New York seemed to, I had been to New York, but it just seemed a little overwhelming. You know, I was like, lad, this is, might be a little bit much. So I moved to Boston. It seemed like a little more you could get kind of get your hands around it. Um, and I lived in Boston for about eight years, man. And uh, I was just playing a lot of music up there. You know, I was doing a lot of percussion and drumming. And uh, I was branching out into kind of doing like, a, you know, a lot of improvised music. I was playing um, percussion and uh you know, Quica and Shakers and 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 uh, Brazilian instruments uh, in a, in a Brazilian band and uh, kind of starting to get hip to that. And I was learning, uh, you know, some African uh, drumming from uh, a couple of guys that were up there in Boston teaching. Uh, one fellow named Sid Smart, who was uh, African American, who was uh, still up in Boston, or I think he might have just moved to Brooklyn after all these years. Anyway, Sid was the one of a, a very uh, influential for me and taught me a whole lot. He taught me that he started teaching me about polyrhythm, you know, just your basic sort of three over two and your African bell rhythm was a ding, 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 ding. I, I talk about musical Love memories. It. That, yeah, that is one that I distinctly remember breaking through and being able to play that African bell rhythm in my right hand and, and a keep a four, four type of just a, a, a cross a cross rhythm in four or two whatever with the other hand and that was just uh that was a big revelation so boston for me was a a, a great place to learn and and play a lot because there was so many music students up there i wasn't really going to music school because uh i couldn't really afford it i was just working jobs and stuff but i was hanging out with a and playing with pretty much every all my friends were pretty much music students at the New England Conservatory, a uh, couple of people from Berkeley, but most of most of the guys, and and uh, and a few uh, women as well that I was playing with at that time were they were all going to the conservatory, and that was a kind of a hipper scene to tell you the truth because they had a uh, they had Jackie Byard teaching over there and they had George Lewis and they had Rand Blake and these kind of people that were really into sort of uh, creative music. So yeah, Boston for me for eight years, and then I moved to New York. Yeah. Okay. I I remember you tell me about Boston now. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. No, I mean, shoot, we're at the end <laughs> because how people, much can how much I, can you remember from something? Well, I remember it was in Matsum. Uh, I think it was Matsumoto, and we had a big uh, talk about your earlier days, and I, I, oh, okay. I, it's coming back to me now. Oh, okay. I mean, there yeah, was a little else? bit of Yoparai involved. But... I'm sure. <laughs> Remember I'm the sure. lady, which is kind of uh, different for over there, people, uh, a lady sushi chef. Oh, this, yeah. This lady's yeah, ma, they let us talk at the pad, and she cooked us up all this good chow and cut it up. You yes. Know, yes. A lot of it wasn't cooked, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, anyway, man. My, we were yeah. chowing this great chow after the gig. Another Sam here was telling me his story. And now I remember that. At first, New York wasn't long for him, and a lot of years were in Boston. Then he went to New York in the Lower yeah, East Side. Right. And we're at the end yeah. of the first hour, November 13, Friday, who's here, 2020. Dish Wapito, special guest Sam Bennett, hold time for hour two. November 13, 2020. It's the second hour of the Watt for Pedro show. 
standing by the roadside He was wearing a hat I'd never seen before He pointed towards the sun He said, I'll be going now Tell the boss man I'm not coming to work no more I left you my old watching chain Hanging by the door Walked back home Kicking a can along the way It sounds like a funeral It was then I knew my mama She was dead I turned around and headed Nobody left round here 
first met my sweet Marlene Down at Dancing Rapid Creek She was six years old and I was seven We were playing hide and seek Oh, how I hoped and prayed she'd find me I thought I'd give her a little kiss, so yes I would I swear she was the prettiest thing I'd ever seen She was the queen of my childhood Down at Dancing Rabbit Creek You should have seen us laughing and playing Down at Dancing Rabbit Creek There passed a few more years And me and Molly Grew into more than just friends Don't you know We had a secret I did well, didn't I know? I never imagined there could be no one better. Oh, didn't I love that girl? Oh, yes, and how? Down a dancing on Rabbit Creek, you should have seen us laughing and loving down a dancing Rabbit Creek.
show we start off the second hour with watch and chain brand new bennett corrode and negativity from johnny mark and the ricks that's got the late great frank onley from suburban lawns i didn't know he passed away a couple years ago you never know when you're numbered right so we got to keep going keep on keeping on 38 angry tires after that with brainy pony and this is one of the cats from bomas Prendon. in fact he is <laughs> The guy with the name. Like Alice Cooper was naming the band, right? And then the singer took it over. Well, I guess that's what this cat did. Ah. So he's a side project. They're cool people, man. Uh, really enjoyed them. A lot, a lot of them went to college in Richmond at VCU. Uh-huh. Okay. Bennett Corota with Dancing Rabbit Crit. Snagged in the jump rope from Jerome Parker Wells, great bass man out of St. Louis. Uh, is that a chronic AMM All-Stars had me aboard for April and insomnia, even though it's fucking November and I'm sleeping fine. In my spare time, finally, with Bennett Corota. So, what happens when you uh, go to New York City for music now from Boston? Yeah, well, I, you know, by the time I moved to New York, I had been visiting New York regularly for several years, and so I. I was pretty, you know, familiar with uh, the scene and I had met people down there and stuff. And uh, I was definitely ready to get out, you know, get out of Boston, man. Boston had become like just a sort of like, a, oh, man, what's just a bunch of cars going by. It didn't feel right anymore. So, like, I moved to Brooklyn in uh, 84. Oh, man, just and, a second. Uh, you got a call? Why? 
Pizzo, I'm doing the radio show. <laughs> Sam from Tokyo on right now, but I'll talk to you after. I'll... Yeah. Hey man, that, <laughs> go ahead. That, that's my that's organ some, man from the second. That's beautiful. Man. That that's some home style radio. Well. <laughs> Just get get a call right in the middle of the show. I love it, man. I love it. That's real life. I hate when motherfuckers so, scream my calls. <laughs> exactly. Okay. <laughs> Karma Wales, brother Sam. So yeah, so, so, yeah. so you go down the I ninety five. Yeah, went down the I ninety five, moved to Boston. Uh, excuse me, moved to Brooklyn from Boston. And what what was uh what was good for me was that uh, just before I moved to Brooklyn, I had played a a show. Uh, I did a solo set uh, at a college in Boston, a solo percussion set, and I was opening for the duo of uh, Fred Frith and John Zorn. And uh, on that gig, that's when I met Zorn. And um, he said, uh, he said to me, he, he heard my set and he says, hey, you got to get out of here. You got to move to New York, man. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I hear you. I'm going to move to New York. So that, that kind of was like a nice impetus for me because, you know, I mean, I knew Zorn was kind of a, big wig on the scene down there, the creative music scene and everything. So uh, that kind of gave me some inspiration to just bust the move and, and go to New York, which I did very shortly thereafter. I think I moved about two months later, you know, got it together. And um, moved straight to Brooklyn and started playing with all those people uh, that have uh, now sort of become uh, associated with what they call the downtown scene, right? So... You know, I played in a few of Zorn's game pieces and stuff, but mostly I found other people that uh, I enjoyed working with, like Elliot Sharp and Ned Rothenberg and yeah. Tom Cora, the late Tom Cora. Yeah. Now, now, Fred Frith, he, right? They had a band called some uh, Skeleton. Yeah, they, he had a band called Skeleton Crew. Right, and this, yeah, him this and Tom. Cat, let me tell the listeners, he could play bass guitar and have a drumstick going. Yeah, yeah. And he played yeah. cello, and yeah, he was, we lost him way too young. I know, I know. Tom, it was very tragic. He died, I think, 97, was around there. And uh, that, yeah, I mean, that was a blow, man, because he's, he's a really talented musician and a, and a great guy. Elliot Shaw's lost... still around, though, and he's, he's fucking happening. I oh, yeah. I got to do one Elliot. album with him called Bootstrappers. Oh, yeah, the Bootstrappers, sure, sure. Well, yeah, Elliot's a workhorse man he never stops nope. he just never he's a charger man he's like a Our road charger. warrior but he's like you he's like you what well i, I found mean, out like... in this racket you kind of got to do that or you get rolled yeah, yeah. <laughs> i want to play uh i'm off to nowhere <laughs> okay. do it man that's one of my favorite songs yeah <laughs> i'm off to nowhere please come along that's what they're playing, our favorite song That's what they told me, that's what I heard You coming with me, just say the word I'm bound to go there I'm all to nowhere The sugar, we'll shake it down. We tell the mayor we own this town. I'm about to go there. I'm off to nowhere. 
Detective Jimmy Fontaine. By night, Dr. Invisible.
not so sure that it is Well anyway, what would I know I'm just a fool trying to make it in showbiz Still there's people here and there Who seem to think I'm smart But where they got that idea I don't know Promise you won't let the back outside. 
Sell no wine before it's time. People, that was <laughs> I, I'm off to nowhere. Bennett Corroda. And uh Deep in the Woods, 66 out of Dublin with Kill the Snake, Secret Circle, Earth as God's Spaceship's Pleasure Machine. By Bombo Pluto Ova. I think they're Philippines. Silver Thing, Paradise is now, and then Backdoor Slam. Bennett Corroda. Okay, so how long did your New York City experience? Well, I was uh, in New York from 84 to 95. So it was about, about 11 years in, <clears throat> in Brooklyn. And, uh, yeah, I played a lot of music during those years, man. And, you know, those years were also uh, pretty, pretty active for going to Europe. A whole lot of, you know, European tours and festivals and stuff, you know, with all those, with all those folks. And, and with my own band, uh, I started... Uh, a group called Chunk or in the early 90s. And that was when I started writing songs. You know, I started writing songs in about 1990, 91. And I put that little band together in order to, uh, you know, get my songs across. To, to realize them. But there was yeah, some, to realize the songs. There were some exactly. Japan tours too, though. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Japan. Because um, I'm talking to you from Tokyo where you've been living for 25 years. That's right, man. That's right. After well, tell New us York, how that I, happened. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, after New York, uh, I moved to Tokyo in '95, and uh, it's been uh, it's suited me pretty damn well. So I've just uh, I've I've stayed here, man. I, I rarely leave, man. You know, <laughs> very rarely leave. And it's uh, more these, than both these New days. York it's and like wow, I don't know if anybody's going anywhere. New York, Boston added together. Yeah, exactly. Isn't even your Tokyo time, and you start a family. Yeah, indeed, That's indeed. Great. My daughter's twenty years old now, so you know, five years into my run oh, here in Tokyo, twenty over there's uh, a big deal for the ladies, right? Maybe the boys too. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so um, had a got a family here. I'm, I'm. This is my life, man. This is where I'm at. I don't imagine that I'll. Uh, at this point in my life, ever move anywhere else? Although you never know. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody know tomorrow, as they say in Nigeria. Yeah. That's a good thing to think about because uh, maybe it's a little too uh, full of yourself to have everything planned. Oh well, yeah. I mean, how could you? Right. The you the, the, the dice get thrown. The yeah. The hand gets dealt. Yeah. And you got to play it right. So, but totally. but you know, you didn't give. Uh, up a little any on music but you did change now oh, yeah. i got to play with you as a drummer but you have yeah, kind of moved right. into singer three string guitar man that's right that's right I, I kind of more more consider myself a songwriter now than it, than just about a singer and a songwriter than just about anything else to tell you the truth i mean i i love playing the drums but uh fact is i don't have that much uh that many real opportunities to play the drums too much anymore. I, I do have my uh, New Orleans style band here in Tokyo called King Cake Baby. And, um, you know, up until COVID, we were doing a bunch of gigs, you know, uh, playing all the time. And that's a really, really fun band, you know, because when it comes down to it, when it comes right down to playing the drums, 
that kind of New Orleans second line feel, uh, that kind of loose rolling kind of vibe is pretty much my favorite kind of stuff there is in terms of being a drummer, in terms of drumming. Um, I just like, I just love the feel and I love the, 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 the vibration of it. So that's kind of mostly been my drumming, uh, you know, in the last few years has been kind of focused on that kind of vibe. But apart from that, I don't really feel all that much like a drummer anymore. You know what I mean? I mean, sure, I love to play the drums, but mostly I'm a singer and a songwriter. That's where it's at. Well, it seems like drums was one way to do music. So you keep exactly. with the music, but you maybe uh, taking turns with other ways to do music. That's absolutely right, Mike. I mean, uh, apart from the drum set, I was always kind of jumping back and forth between drums and percussion, too. And that meant a lot of hand drumming and and bells and whistles and shakers. And, you know, also for, for many years, got pretty heavily into electronic stuff, you know, triggering samples and uh, doing certain amount of programming and stuff. But, um, you know, that's always... Well, for years, that was kind of a big part of what I did as well, you know, uh, and even in even in some of my song stuff with Chunk, I started getting into sampling. And so I would I would put uh, harmonic and melodic material together uh, with percussion pads using sticks and stuff, but completely different sorts of sounds, because, you know, once once sampling came on the scene, it kind of opened up uh some possibilities for me as a drummer slash singer songwriter. Well, I'm thinking that, drummer you know, uh, from Lower East Side. Yeah. DNA. Uh, oh yeah, Ikue, right? Ikue Mori. Yeah, yeah. Turned from drums to electronics. She did. She got. She went completely just into electronics. Now I believe now she just pretty much works with the laptop, you know, and uh, uh, what's what's that software? Max or something like that. Okay. I don't know. Pretty, pretty kind of sophisticated music I've, software. I've, I've listened to it, and also a lot of collabs. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh. She collaborates with a lot of uh, yeah, people. yeah, yeah. And uh, a Tokyo singer lady, uh, maybe she was married to Fred Fred Tenko. Tenko, yeah, yeah. Tenko and Fred Incredible. were together for a while. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, but but she's done some collabs with the Ikawi. Okay, uh, we're at the end of the second hour, uh, November 13, 2020 edition. What Peter Show special guest Sam Bennett. Hold tight for hour three. November 13, 2020, it's the third hour. What for Pedro Show. <laughs> Oh 
Show we start off the third hour with not a place you can stay. Bet it, Corona. Lost tapes number ten from Wasted Space. The last of the ten tapes, although they weren't whole tapes. I think they were excerpts <laughs> because they're only like two or three minutes. And those are tiny ass tapes. Music. Uh, thank you, Cranial. Music with my insane friend. Uh, a tune called Eye to Eye. This was a uh, suggest from. Ben Watson, thank you so much. It's a, what what could be better than music with your insane friend <laughs> or your friend with you, your insane self? <laughs> and chicken and wine from Bennett Corota. So, so Bennett Corota, what's the story? Yes. Well, um, I was uh, a couple of years ago. I was doing a solo gig at a little club, and I was. Uh, I was kind of a last-minute addition. My friend uh, Jeff Curry, who's a bass player, has a kind of progressive metal band here in 
Tokyo. Uh, he had his band playing, and uh, they, their opening act kind of like uh, something happened. And he called me up and said, Sam, I got a last-minute gig, and if you want to do this slot, you're welcome. And so I said, sure. So I brought my uh, one-string guitar down. I also play a one-string guitar watt. It's called a diddly bow, <laughs> diddly okay. bow in the American blues tradition. So I am running the one string through some effects and pitch, and some harmonization and some distortion and some wah-wah and stuff and just having fun with it, but still doing songs, you know. So I, so I did that gig and opened up for uh, my friend Jeff's band, and it turned out that uh, one of the guitarists in his band uh, was, is uh, Daisuke Kuroda. And so Kuroda-san and I uh, hit it off straight away on a personal level. I thought he was a really cool guy. And furthermore, he was one of the only musicians in uh, this progressive metal band that I opened for who actually sat there and completely just listened to my set for the whole set. Because, you know, most of the guys were back there at the bar. Thing like who is this clown with one string you know <laughs> seriously and so like but 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 Daisuke was like totally into it and so I, I was talking to him afterwards and he's like uh he's like oh yeah I love your songs you know and I I hear I hear so much you know that I could that I could do uh to fill in these blanks and I was like yeah well let's check it let's get together and you know see how it goes so we got together and it hit it off musically as well like straight well, well, away can I ask you yeah did you evolve into progressive metal? <laughs> no. Because <laughs> your albums don't sound like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. We did, we did so, not evolve. So, uh, <laughs> no, Karuda uh, son, he was, uh, he adapted to your sound. Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, well, but Kuroda's... he was he was a hired gun for the other guy anyway. Well, no, 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 he's in the band, and he, you know, he plays that music. Oh, okay. and uh, he And he does it really, really well, because he's a you know, really, really good guitar player. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. He's, yeah. You know, he's got widely diverse uh, musical interests. And, um, but yeah, he, he gravitated to my stuff and he digs it. And, and you know, we, we went from there and um, pretty much uh, did a whole bunch of gigs, man, in Tokyo. Tell uh, me about until... the first one. What was the first Bennett Kuroda yeah, first, gig? First Bennett Kuroda gig was actually at uh, uh, a kind of uh, party at a uh, craft beer uh, and liquor shop in uh, Yokohama. Ah, yeah. my pop. My yeah, pop, yeah. that's the first place he, because that's where the sailors uh, There you the go. Yokohama's <laughs> long, long history. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking of, the 60s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Long history of interaction with foreigners, man. Kaiji. Yokohama be, <laughs> being a port and everything. Right, right. So like, yeah, that was, that was our first gig. We went no, down. No, but what was it like? Yeah, tell me. Well, we just, you know, we had we had rehearsed uh, three or four times. We had about, you know, 12, 13 tunes at that time. And uh, we just went down and played. It was a great, great little show because it was kind of perfect first gig. There's low pressure. Everybody's just drinking the craft beer and having a good time and getting drunk. And, uh, you know, we could do our thing. So, that, yeah, that was a nice first gig, man. Really nice. And that was that's been about two years ago now. And since then, we must have logged about, I don't know, geez, 50, 60 gigs, maybe more. I but don't know. We were really, for that first one, really, you were uh, good and practiced up, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we had... Well, we, we, when I played with you, 
We had no yeah. frack. <laughs> no frack. It was a total pants shooter, but I loved I, it. I loved playing yeah, with it was, you, man. It, it was, was total improvisation. It was total improvisation. <laughs> I died 10 million little boy deaths. <laughs> I shit my pants. I sweated my brains. Hand Bannock was on one of those. The first... Actually, it wasn't just the first one. It was all of them because there was no fucking songs. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that was a fun tour, man. It had its it had its weird uh, edges oh, we won't yeah. even go into no, no, no. at this but time. But that had nothing to do with you. No, I, I, th- I didn't think so. And, no. and I would say the same for you. All Mike. my good it, memories are yeah, 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 big time. And Thank the Light you. Brothers, you know, who made it happen. Yeah, uh, but, that's right. That's right. Those are good kids, man. Okay, good so how long to, 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 since you guys done all these gigs and we're good and cracked up, was it really yeah. easy to do this album? Well, yeah, actually, the album um, started coming together about six months after we, you know, started our band. So little by little, we recorded this album over the last year and a half. So it, was, it wasn't like we went in to do some massive, uh, you know, uh, studio stretch and churn everything out real quick. We we actually just kind of recorded a track here and there. Piece piece, obviously, yeah. obviously, there's a lot of overdubbing, so it's not it's not just live. Although we're mostly we're alive and still are kind of a live acoustic duo. But um, yeah, generally speaking, the the whole process of making this record was kind of stretched out over you know a little more than a year. Well, let's talk another process. Yeah. Like, I know when you first met him, you know, and he wanted to play music with you, you mm. showed him these tunes for that first Yokohama gig. That's right. But was the process different after that when you start making the record? Does he start off some ideas? Uh, yeah. Basically, the songs, uh, the lyrics and the basic uh, form and, you know, chord changes and stuff are pretty much all coming from me. Um, but in the process... Of course, in the process of making the record, there's been he's had, uh, you know, a fair amount of input for obviously into his guitar parts, especially. And uh, I'm always like uh, wide open to say, you know, try this, try that, uh, you know, and um, he's versatile enough to take a lot of different approaches to a song because you know what i'm i'm writing these songs on a three-string guitar and there's often it's often kind of open to interpretation well what what, how do you want to adorn these chords what what sort of chords do you want to turn them into uh i know but you know when i I look at the band bennett corona it's like like mike watton is missing man you know who the fuck with them we're missing their names (laughs) so i I know it's a uh, corona song is a big part and i can hear it in the music too oh of course yeah of course I was just curious about, yeah. you, know, you know, I started off uh, in music writing songs with my buddy D. Boone. And so this, yeah. this the thing of the duo, two two cats making music, yeah, it's intense. No, it's strong, man. It's really strong. You start having to make compromises, right? You make, you bring more people into it. But when it's two. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been really really good i mean it's been 99.9 percent positive every now and then we've we've butted heads about something um you know something i was like well i don't think this is quite the right approach and normally you know dicegay if i say something like that he'll be like okay let me try another approach every once in a while though of course the guy's got a pretty strong idea about what the right thing to do is and 
you know, you, you, you occasionally back up a little bit and say, okay, I'll go with, you know, I'll go with that, even though I don't, <laughs> might not think it's the, totally the best thing to do. <laughs> but that's, but literally, literally, that is like a very, very minor uh, occurrence, hardly ever, really. So generally speaking, um, we just get on, you know, really, really well musically and personally. That's, that's why I actually called the record as luck would have it, because there's not, there's not, there's no songs on the record that deal explicitly with the idea of luck or anything. Most of the songs are kind of about like. I don't know, different sorts of subjects. Luck doesn't really come into it, but I called it as luck would have it just because uh, I just felt really lucky to meet uh, Daisuke yeah. and, and, and to have him work with me. That's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. So, because it's, you know, it's, you know how it is, man. I mean, you play with uh, hundreds of different people over the course of your, you know, time on the planet, or your career in music, whatever you want to call it. But uh, there's not, you know, to, to really hook up with people that you feel really kind of connect with you and 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 you and that you can really work with easily without a whole lot of strife and you know bullshit Drama. then then you're like that's yeah, luck man that's a lucky thing you know? <laughs> well that's it's kind of that's why i hate that word normal you be careful of that word <laughs> oh yeah normal no. <laughs> my i just the hair on my back of my neck comes up when i hear that. <laughs> i, wa I want to play big black cloud of birds I'm gonna burn all these newspapers I've been reading I don't know what none of it means No, I don't know Don't know what none of it Oh, 
Camino Sierra, they do like
Why for Pedro Show last music? <laughs> try it again. It's deja try vu it again, all over again, brother Sam. Deja vu all over again. Big black cloud of birds finished off the last chunk of music for this edition. Yeah. And then we had Dangrouse, which we don't know what it really means, but it might be have a pigeon English kind of thing, which is really happening. Read the sand pebbles in the Holman and Poan and how close these cats get. Uh, Richard McKenna from Mountain Home, Idaho, wrote it. Idaho, you to pimp. And he was a sailor 23 years, China Sea. And he was a machinist mate. Now, this was me and Dee Boone's favorite movie when we were boys. But we couldn't, you know, Steve McQueen in a sailor suit. But we couldn't figure out what it was about. But then I, I found out there was a book during a Porno for Power tour. And it blew, it's the only book that he wrote. And uh, oh. it's intense, man. It's about it's not just about the particulars. It's bigger. It's about humanity and how we can be assholes. Mm. But but there is things like you know he they're teaching the coolies how to just copy things and he and Holman this machinist mate comes aboard mm. Sam Pebble right. San Pablo, San Pablo, uh, fucked up the uh. Yeah. So, no, man, I'm going to tell this guy, and he uses a metaphor of uh, uh, dragons getting tired and stuff to teach about steam and stuff, and, you know, the, the idea behind how things work. Oh. Instead of just monkey see, because, you know, I guess there was power to lose by learning people that. You know? Anyway, check it out. Richard McKenna, San Pablo. Or the movie. Although the movie fucking changed things, especially the ending, which pissed me off. But it's they still often Steve do that. McQueen and the, yeah, when they say Hollywood, they did it. Yeah. And I'm not going to get into it, but it really upset me in what they did. Um, bigger fish to fry. Well, first pandemic deceleration, get to up mix from uh, egregious, egregious Phil Ben. Phil's bin, <laughs> Phil, like bin, uh, garbage can in England, right? And then bigger <laughs> fish to fry, Bennett, Corona, and this is like, uh, speaks to Watts saying, there's another uh, Bennett, Corona record in the works. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got bigger fish to fry, Mike. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to fry them on up, too. We're going to fry them up for you real good. <laughs> <laughs> Yaki, right? <sighs> Yaki is when you... That's right, yaki, yaki, <laughs> yaki, zakana. Yeah, whenever you see any kind of, yeah, you know. any kind of yaki yeah. in the word. Yaki soba. Like that song, yeah, yeah. Sukiyaki people, that was Sukiyaki. the most ridiculous thing. Because actually in Japan, that title was, I, I look up at the stars because my tears yeah, it has down. nothing to do with sukiyaki. <laughs> sukiyaki is a kind Absolutely, of chow, yeah. a soup, a stew that you make whatever you got on hand. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Has like nothing to do with the actual original song. What a great melody, huh? That was a, Oh, da, yeah. Da, 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 I was talking to Brother Shige about da, this. His cousin yeah. was, because you know about uh, free jazz and freak out stuff, Kaua yeah, yeah. Abe in the 70s, this uh, sax player Oh yeah. in Tokyo. They made a movie. About him and, uh, God, what was his wife's name? Uh, Suzuki was her last name, but she wrote science fiction stuff. and uh, It's called Endless Waltz. Oh, I, I don't I think I the don't daughter really sued him. the people who made the movie because they start with the mother's suicide. Oh. Because she can't live without this guy, you know. And, but they had oh. a really 
uh, tortured life together. This guy was a lot of drogas and rude. And, uh, it's uh. crazy. And, uh, maybe Kanji Haino's in it. There's some contemporary... I guess he knew him in the 70s. Mm -hmm. Anyway, you know about this. Some wild-ass uh, jazz came out of, out of Tokyo in the 70s. Sure, sure, yeah. A lot of free so jazz, man. I, I th yeah, but I think some people think that it's always the West bringing you know, whatever, the rock and roll and the liberation music when mm -hmm. these people mm -hmm. have traditions of it going way back. Yeah, in yeah. In fact, there's a folk thing in Japan I learned about called Ainu. Yeah. Well, that's right? a that's an ethnic group. Like an, group an indigenous... Uh, yeah. yeah, indigenous people, Ainu. But there's uh, people in Japan, you know, music, musician cats getting into this stuff. It doesn't right. all have to come from Pedro. I mean, uh, the West. <laughs> No, no. Well, you know, Pedro is the worst. I mean, let's face it, man. <laughs> oh, God. So, so you live in there 25 years. You know, you know, years. you know, Mike, I, I've never been to Pedro, man. I got to get over oh, this. You will. I got, I'll give you a big three, four, five hour tour. I, I know shit. You know, I came here when I was nine, but I, I'm in the San Pedro Historical Bay, San Pedro Bay Historicals Association. And I know more than people that are born here. I, don't, I just fell I don't in love with the place. But, but I'm curious about your 25 years yeah, in and, 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 and all your music that you learned in Alabama and in Massachusetts mm. and New York State. Yeah. Well, and New York I, City. I think it's still a part of the state. It is still a part of the state. <laughs> but we definitely do make the distinction. <laughs> a lot of people like to say, no, I don't, I don't live in America. I live on a small island off just off the coast of America. <laughs> it's called, yeah, and you know, Amherst ain't Boston either, but I said, man. No, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mobile ain't Birmingham. No, Birmingham, Birmingham, yeah. Right. So uh, I said Alabama, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So my fault. I'm sorry. But what I'm, what I'm trying to teach you is Japan, or, or if you want to get specific, Tokyo. Yeah. What is it taught you musically or is teaching you? Well, you know, um, I've always been uh, had pretty big ears in terms of listening to all kind of music from around the world. I, I remember back in high school uh, coming upon a, a record of Balinese Gamelon, you know, from the Nunsuch label. And having that totally blow my mind and it didn't take too long to start discovering stuff from all over and uh particularly africa brazil south america but also you know asian music and stuff and so i guess you know in terms of just japanese music music that really came from japan and especially in terms of like what we call traditional music or folk music or something um one thing is that i'm just a a big fan of the sound and the vibe of the shamisen, you know, the three string, uh, three string instrument, uh, you know, that's uh, played here in Japan. And do you know about somehow, the sanshin? Sanshin, yeah, from Okinawa, of course. It's it's I a mean, cousin, right? Yeah, it's a cousin, but it's definitely different. It's it's got a lot. Uh, it's, it's much smaller. It's got a snakeskin head instead of a. And also, cat the, skin. you don't the boshi uh, the pick thing is way different. Yeah, it's more of a finger, is, right? Exactly. And your thing they pick is it with the fingers. It's more of a comb, <laughs> like a yeah. yeah. Well, the the shamisen pick is like a big spatula. Yeah, like yeah. You could, spatula, you could flip a it. pancake it. with it, man. You know, it's like a comb. That's what I. Yeah. Thought. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and you really whack it, you know. Right, but but and their thing, but, uh, the the sanshin is like a stone thing that goes over the finger. 
Uh, yeah, it kind of cl- it kind of goes. Uh, it's, it's almost like a finger pick or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So those those that kind of I guess the main thing for me is that that kind of super stripped down sound of say a shamisen and a voice. Yeah. Or a sanshin in Okinawa, a sanshin and a voice, maybe a little percussion, but you know, just those two elements, just a string, a three-string instrument, which is what I play now, anyway, and and uh, and a voice. And to me, that's some of the most powerful stuff there is. That's why I also love, say, you know, Delta blues and pre pre-war blues so much, and you know, people like uh, Skip James and Charlie Patton, and yeah. you know, all that stuff. Um, I've always, well, you know, I've been drawn to a lot of different kinds of music, but very, very stripped down, simple music has always held a great appeal for me. So I guess you could say that that aspect of Japanese music has been something that's influenced me, you know, super stripped down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I would say Ikano. Ikano. That's 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 Mike Watt talking right there, friends. Ikano. Ikano. We we jam Ikano. Now now this record just came out, right? Yeah, yeah. It's called As Luck Would Have It. And when? Like today, yesterday, tomorrow? Yeah, yesterday. Well, today you're in America. Yeah. And And uh, yesterday here in Japan, Friday the thirteenth. And where can people find you? Sorry, Dana. Well, you can find us at Bandcamp. Um, no, but is there it, a, a website your own that nobody else owns? Yeah, Bandcamp is great, man. I think yeah, that's I one of the best music sites ever. Oh, that's that's why I use it, man. I mean, Bandcamp is pretty righteous. You know, when it comes right down to it, everything else is kind of like a total oh, sure. drag yeah, yeah. by comparison. But, but there is a Sam Bennett website, right? What's the, there, what's, is, there, what's is, the there is, there um, is, there is. If you go to... Uh, polarityrecords.com that's my website polarity like p-o-l-a-r-i-t-y records that's one word polarityrecords.com if you go there there's links to everything man there's links to the Bandcamp page there's links to there's more Sam Bennett at that website than you will ever need in one lifetime let's just put (laughs) it that way no man and you you keep it coming too now all sorry excuse me all the songs you write, yeah, because you write a buttload of songs. They're not I all do. Bennett Corotta songs. No, no, that's true. I write. I've got a hundreds and hundreds of songs that I've just sort of recorded myself. Or, but even yeah. even now, in the in the moment, right? Or, yeah, or are yeah. you devoting all your stuff, all your focus this way? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, Bennett Corotta is a is a major focus, but I'm still doing just you know whatever Sam Bennett songs and. Tell you the truth, when I write a lot of songs, I don't know if, if they're going to be. Uh, most of what I write could be a, a Bennett Corotta song, but not all of it. Okay. Um, but a lot of it is just like winds up being, okay, well, this is a Sam Bennett song, and we'll save another one for Bennett Corotta, you know. Interesting. You know, yeah. bands take on their own lives, become their own that's beings. That's true. Yeah. That's yeah, true. That's, that's true. It's not just, it's not just uh, me yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's, even it's, if you supply the tunes, even if you're the rudder man. Yeah. Okay. It's no, it's been, true. It's quite an honor to have you on the show, and especially when the next Bennett Corotta comes out. But if you get another batch of just Sam Bennett, whatever you get going, please come on the show and I can get up to date so it ain't so oh, long man. again. Absolutely. I really... Really, really appreciate the invitation. And uh, I will not be a stranger. 
<laughs> I'll take you up. I will take you up on that, man. <laughs> I'll be back. Yes, sir. <laughs> what? I got a, I got fifty new songs, man. <laughs> I want you to play them all. I want a head to head between Sam Bennett and Bob Pollard. <laughs> <laughs> Who would win? I think maybe Pollard would still win. Yeah, that guy. I, can oh he put God. out the songs? I can't believe it. <laughs> I can't. Be, and you know the funniest thing I, I saw written in an interview. He said, "I sing with an English accent, so I don't sound like a hick." <laughs> <laughs> I, I always wonder. I always wondered about that. Yeah, I know. I I just saw that not too long ago, and I don't even know if the dude asked him. Right. <laughs> but I've always fucking wondered about that. Okay. Okay. Till next time, though. You got, you know, safe seas to you. Keep that. Keep yeah. Well, wow. thanks so much, man. Keep it's been up. a it's been a pleasure. Yeah. November 13, twenty twenty, Dishawat Pedro Show. People, keep your powder dry. <laughs>